the next reading will be taken from Mark 15, and it will be verses 21 through to 41. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it, and they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So... You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. <clears throat> At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. One man ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathes his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion, who stood there in front of Jesus, heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, Surely, this man was the Son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the younger of, jo of, of jo Joseph and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. Early in the year, we began a series as a church in the mornings on the sayings of the cross, seven in total. And at various times these past three months, we've been looking at different facets of our Lord's cry of anguish. We come to the last now, and although it's part of a series, each one is complete in and of itself. And the last is Jesus quoting from Psalm 31, as indeed he quoted many times, and even on the cross as well, 
Psalm 31 verse 5 into your hands I commit my spirit tradition has it among Jewish people that this would be one of the first prayers taught to children a bit like the pilgrim fathers who went to America and most parents during that period as they occupied this land would teach their children now I lay me down to sleep I pray the Lord my soul to keep if I should die before I wake I pray the Lord my soul to take so whether it's from the Jewish perspective or pilgrim fathers aware of the frailty and uncertainty of life it is a prayer now that Jesus gives to sum up everything as he is on that cross. Preachers, prophets, writers, poets, musicians, artists try to convey something of the enormity of the crucifixion. I want uh, to have a painting of Holman Hunt. Uh, brought up now before you and if as best you can uh, it, it will stay there for a while I'd like you to look at this because it uh, illustrates something very interesting as far as the uh, Holman Hunt the leader of the pre-Raphaelite brotherhood of painters during that period when they would take biblical scenes and portray them and try to illustrate uh, a different facet of the Lord Jesus this is called the shadow of death and, and Neil showed this a few weeks ago try to look at it as I speak to you now it's just an illustration of what we are doing here it depicts inside the carpenter shop in Nazareth the Lord Jesus stripped to the waist with his wooden trestle as you will see and he's put the saw down on the bench the look on his face is quite enigmatic it is either a look of pain or ecstasy or both at the same time and having worked he stretches raising both arms above his head and as he does so the evening sunlight streaming through the open door casts a dark shadow in the form of a cross you see that and on the wall behind him, and it's no accident as far as Holman Hunt is concerned, are the tools, the rack. They look like a horizontal bar on which the hands had been crucified. And the tools themselves are a reminder, almost a prophetic reminder of the fateful hammer and nails. What's not so obvious, and you probably can't see it where you're sitting, is this that in the left foreground a woman is kneeling among the wood chippings her hands resting on the chest in which the rich gifts of the Magi are kept now we can't see her face it's understood to be Mary and she looks startled as she makes the connection between birth 
and impending death, or so it seems. Her son's cross like a shadow on the wall. I think what he wants to do is this, and of course the Bible does this all the time, is to make the connection between the coming of Jesus in terms of his birth, life, death, resurrection, ascension, and ultimately coming again. And we, we here today are poised just looking at this particular time in the life of the Lord Jesus. It's so good for us to see the whole picture. We are here on Good Friday and we anticipate rightly Resurrection Sunday. We need to make those connections. So, the cross. The place of extremity. From a human standpoint, the greatest miscarriage of justice. The most extreme form of man's cruelty. It's a tragedy. From a divine standpoint, it is the greatest and only means of redemption. And it is a triumph. The cross, the place of the great escape. So think for a moment of these seven sayings. I just remind you, the first three center deliberately on others. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Today, you will be in paradise, speaking to the thief and making a provision for his mother. Those are the first three. The central and pivotal one, which is awesome, is when Jesus says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then the last three center on himself. You see how this forms a, a picture deliberately of, the, of this drama of redeeming love. And the last three, Jesus said, I thirst, which was for his bodily needs. His soul, when he said, it is finished. And now finally, he says, into your hands I commit my spirit. It is the place of great exchange. Stay with this just for a moment as we reflect, and it's a, it's a meditation, isn't it? Jesus died confidently. He says, Father, Father, speaking with great assurance, into your hands I commit my spirit. Stay with that sentence. Not only he died confidently, but willingly. Father, into your hands. Into your hands. Here is the great shepherd, if you like, laying down his life for the sheep and saying, I have power to lay it down power to take it up again. And he does that so that in his own words, my sheep hear my voice, they know me, they follow me, I give to them eternal life. They shall never perish. 
And the third and last thing is, he died victoriously. Just think of the sentence again. Father, into your hands I commit. I commit my spirit. Who are you going to trust in the day when you come to the end of your earthly life? Here is our Lord having accomplished salvation. Now, entrusts himself to his Father. And the implication for us is obvious, isn't it? With all of the, 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 the injustice of life, its difficulty, the, the hardships, the, the harsh reality that we have, we somehow can gain renewed purpose. Listen to this. As we try to take it in, and we sang unaccompanied for bigger impact, whether it's the hymn writer or the speaker or the prophets, what language can I borrow to thank you, dearest friend, this your dying sorrow, your pity without end? What indeed? The cross. The cross stood like a set of scales silhouetted against the Jerusalem sky. Its upraised stanchion balancing a cross beam where all humanity was to be weighed, past, present and future. All humanity weighed and found wanting. And it was there that Jesus hung with outstretched arms, yearning for the world's embrace. On either side, two thieves, as we've read, teetering between life and death, teetering between heaven or hell. Until at last, one reaches out in Fragile faith, Jesus, Yeshua, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And it was spoken not by a religious leader, not even by the disciples or the mother sitting at the cross, but by a common thief. How enigmatic is that? And with the words, today you will be with me in paradise, that thief was lifted off the weighted scales into the waiting arms of the Savior and entering into the kingdom of God with a shout of glory and rejoicing. One final thing for us then, as we come to the Lord's table now on this Good Friday. There is often, almost always, a certain point in a service whereby it is you and Jesus. You and Jesus. And it happens here. Sadly, it didn't happen 
for the other thief. Jesus, remember me. Me and Jesus. Yes, we're here collectively, but we're also here individually. Remember me. And coming to him in needed repentance and anticipated hope of a blessing that is indescribable. Jesus cried with a loud voice and said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Then he breathed his last. And with that awesome, humbling encounter, we now have a fresh opportunity to meet with the Lord, to confess to him our need, and to rejoice in the power of the cross that down through these years has not lost its potency to meet us and to transform us.